0: Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and you're listening to The West Block. A weekend of terror and unprecedented bloodshed in the Middle East, where Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has declared the country is at war. I'm Mercedes Stevenson. Welcome to The West Block. An unprecedented surprise attack by Hamas militants in southern Israel has left hundreds dead. Israel immediately launched airstrikes into Gaza and has vowed to wipe out the militant group. With fears the conflict could spread, we speak to a former Deputy National Security Advisor for Israel. And this Thanksgiving, many Canadians are feeling the pinch when it comes to the high cost of food. The federal liberals say they have a plan to bring some relief to your grocery bill. We dig into the politics of groceries with the industry minister. Early Saturday morning, Hamas militants launched a massive, unprecedented and coordinated infiltration operation on land, sea, and and from the air. Families were killed, revelers at a music festival were shot, and civilians were terrorized in the streets. Israel retaliated, launching airstrikes into the Gaza Strip, leveling high rises. Hundreds have been killed. The Israeli government says a substantial number of Israeli citizens and soldiers have been kidnapped by Hamas and taken to Gaza. Joining me now to discuss this evolving and very volatile situation is Chuck Freilich, a former deputy national security advisor in Israel. He's now a professor at Columbia University and Tel Aviv University. Thank you so much for joining us, Chuck. I know this is a, a difficult day for your country and to be talking about what is happening there. Can we start with speaking to the significance of this attack on Israel? and what it means for the country, as well as what's unfolding right now.
1: Well, this is one of the worst developments in Israel's history. It's the first time since the War of Independence in 1948 that Israeli territory was occupied, even briefly, and there's still a couple of um, points of resistance that are ongoing. Uh, This is an earthquake for Israel, militarily, psychologically, the sense of uh, people's uh, security and it's i believe a total different change in the situation which is going to require responses by israel on a completely different level we we cannot accept this
0: do you believe that the given the changes you're speaking to and and you're seeing the white house calling this terrorism is never justified uh the international community in many cases speaking out in favor of israel saying the country has a right to defend itself Do you believe that this change uh, and how horrific elements of this attack were uh, and were broadcasted? You can see videos uh, of women being kidnapped, videos of people running and being shot as they flee. Uh, It's a very graphic visual representation of the terror that unfolded. Does this change the calculus for the Israeli military in terms of their ability or decision to go in and retake Gaza and try to crush Hamas?
1: Well, I think, of course, the pictures are horrific, and Hamas is playing it up for propaganda purposes. That would be to be expected. I think our territory was invaded. Uh, This is no longer, this isn't an issue of the West Bank, of the settlements. This is Israel's fundamental security. And to allow this to just go by with, uh, let's say, a a more of the same or slightly more of the same kind of response, to go and just hit Hamas hard, I don't believe that that begins to uh, rise to the occasion. I believe that we will have to launch a, by the way, militarily or strategically and politically, the government has no other choice, uh, but to go in with a very major operation, potentially to uh, actually conquer all of Gaza, spend a while, this is a few months in any event, uh, trying to root out all of the rockets, and there are tens of thousands of them, so it's not an easy... Uh, objective and it's actually a very bloody one because it'll be house to house fighting and I think we have to end this with uh, someone else in power in Gaza and the only potentially somewhat responsible someone else is the Palestinian Authority which was overthrown by Hamas in 2007 we have to find a way for the end game in this war to be a restoration of control of the PA, the Palestinian Authority
0: Both Hamas and the Israeli government have said that there are at least dozens of Israeli citizens and soldiers who have been taken hostage. Hamas is warning the Israeli government that they have spread them throughout Gaza. They're in individual homes and locations, uh, trying to use them essentially as, as human shields, I would imagine, against the operation. How does the Israeli government think about what to do in this situation? There's obviously the option of potentially... A prisoner exchange. There's the question of how you carry out a military operation when citizens of your own country are are potentially going to die in that operation. Um, What is the calculus here for Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli government on how to handle the hostages?
1: Well, Netanyahu famously uh, made a deal for the exchange of approximately 1100 Hamas terrorists who were in Israeli prisons in exchange for one Israeli soldier, uh, Gilad Shalit, uh, about a decade ago. And that was a a truly egregious error. Uh, You cannot, I'm not against any negotiations and any deals with uh, terrorists. Uh, Sometimes you have to cut your losses and do that. But that set a very dangerous precedent We can't possibly come up with the kind of numbers they might want for uh, the magnitude of hostages today. And in any event, I don't think we're in a uh, negotiating place at this point. The military operation has to take place. And, of course, things will be done to try and minimize the impact on the hostages. But it has to take place regardless of that consideration. uh, I understand how horrific what I'm saying is, and if I had a loved one there, I might be taking a different position. But the state of Israel cannot allow what has happened to stand, and we cannot give in to this kind of extortion. This is, in essence, a battle for, pretty much for national survival.
0: There is also concern for Palestinian civilians who who knew nothing of, of this attack being planned by Hamas, who could be caught in the crossfire and killed. Uh, I know the Israeli government has, has warned them to leave, but is that a simple thing for them to do? Or are there a number of people who are potentially trapped here and are going to be victims of the fighting?
1: Well, yes. Uh, tragically, civilians always pay the price of military conflicts. But um, in the end, it's Hamas is the government there. They have been since 2007, and they bear responsibility for for what they did. Israel goes to extraordinary uh, lengths to prevent civilian deaths. I know some people have a contrary picture, but they're really not familiar with what Israel does. And I imagine we'll continue to do this time. Less so, because the Israeli response is going to be uh, massive. But Israel is always careful to try and minimize the civilians. We have to bring in a new more moderate and more responsible government to Hamas, to Gaza. Hamas is a terrorist organization which is in charge of a mini state. has to change.
0: Why do you believe that this happened now? Uh, People didn't see it coming. It's being described as a massive intelligence failure. So what do you believe was was the trigger point or the decision-making process for Hamas to attack
1: Oh, when, when major events happen, we always go and look for explanations uh, post facto. Part of it was simply an intelligence failure. And the best intelligence agencies blow it sometimes, and this happened here. But I think it reflects, and if you say, why is the timing? There was the sim- symbolism of the specific day, 50 years and one day after the Yom Kippur War. But this was something that was clearly planned um, many months in advance. This was very, very well thought out on their part. And um, they were at least partly taking advantage of the domestic turmoil in Israel, which has been the the so-called judicial reform, I call it a judicial wrecking ball, which tore Israeli society apart, which clearly weakened the IDF, and we're seeing it now, And they believed that this was a unique timing from their perspective, that there would never be a better time to attack Israel. Um, They were proved right.
0: Do you believe that this will spread into a broader conflict involving the West Bank or other regional allies for Hamas?
1: Well, uh, yes, there is a clear danger of an escalation in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. But the real danger is whether there's an escalation with Hezbollah in Lebanon and potentially with Iran. They've got their own forces in Syria and there could be a direct conflict with Iran. There is uh, certainly a danger of a regional uh, escalation, a multi-front war from Israel's perspective. And, of course, that would be a, a very dangerous development from our point of view. It's hard to fight multi-front wars, but I believe we are in a war situation and uh, considerations. Of course, we try to minimize the chances of escalation, but all bets are off now. This is a completely different situation. The state of Israel is at war, and we will have to pay whatever horrific price is required.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. cost of, well, everything, is expensive for a lot of Canadians right now. And that's certainly reflected on people's grocery bills. The federal government has promised action to help lower food costs the major grocery store chains had until Thanksgiving, so this weekend, to come up with a plan. Ottawa says that's only one piece of its strategy to try to help Canadians who are struggling to pay their bills, but the opposition isn't buying it.
2: And all they offered, since they promised to bring prices down by Thanksgiving, is a code of conduct an office, and a photo op. You can't eat any of those three things.
1: Your plan to ask CEOs nicely to reduce prices is ridiculous.
0: For more on what the government can and can't do to lower your grocery costs at the till, I'm joined by Innovation Science and Industry Minister François-Philippe Champagne. Welcome, Minister. Great to see you.
2: Great to be with you on this uh, beautiful Sunday.
0: It is a Sunday when so many people are about to sit down and enjoy perhaps a lovely turkey, a ham, but for some people, realistically, they haven't been so, able to buy that this year. Or they've had to sacrifice something really significant. Your government has promised to do more about this, but we haven't seen a lot of detail on, on how you're going to cause grocery stores to lower prices and, and just how directly you really can influence the cost of a can of beans or uh, you know a, a sure. pack of noodles. Sure. So what is it that you're going say, to achieve? You know, here? Canadians
2: watching, no, you know, I cannot do miracle, but what they expect from us is to fight for them. You know, step one was really to bring... Uh, the five grocery CEOs in Ottawa. I'm I'm told this is the first time in Canada's history, uh, and and I expressed the frustration of the viewers. You know, I do grocery every Saturday, and I said, listen, 40 million of us are are facing challenges, and therefore you need to be part of the solution. So step one uh, was really to get commitments from them to help us stabilize price in the country. Like you said, we presented a plan with five items. Uh, uh, That's step one. The other one was to create this consumer... Uh, the Bureau of Consumers Affairs, basically, because what I want to track is these things like shrinkflation because there 's many variables in that you know we 've seen brands shrinking. Uh, The package but having the the same price in a way Uh, and therefore we want to see that and I want to highlight it So Canadians can make better choice because at the end of the day. It's not the government It's you and I and and the millions of viewers who are going to say hey listen We're going to put our dollar in this banner or this banner because we think that they're offering better value for our money Then we have the grocery code of conduct, which is going to you know bring more transparency and fairness we said we need to provide more data as well because uh, the U.S. does a bit better than us in providing data, so the small independent grocers would have more data to negotiate with the big guys. And finally, competition reform.
0: We all saw what we call the perp walk of the grocery CEOs marching into the meeting to talk to you, and, and you came out and said that you've drastically changed the tone. But we don't have any specifics on what you got these grocery CEOs to agree to. So, how do we know if there's going to be a change? What, what did you well, we, get we, them to say they would well, do? Well,
2: you know, in, in a press conference earlier this week, and I said there's different measures. As you appreciate, I'm trying to play the competition, you know, because I know one, if one does that, the other is going to do this. So, But
0: don't they do that without you?
2: Uh, I think that they, we have accelerated and expanded. To be honest, uh, they know that it's not me. Uh, we're 40 million watching them now. Uh, 40 million of us are watching them and say, okay, what are you going to do for us now? and what we what we gave them was an objective but the how you want competition what, what, what to What is the objective exactly? Well, the objective was to help us stabilize price in Canada. But is
0: there, a, is there an amount? Is there a benchmark, well, timeline?
2: Well, we've seen that the price of food has increased far more than general inflation in Canada. So we said About you 2%. need to help us to bring that in line with inflation. So that's that's step one. And then, you know, when, when they came, when we had their discussion and the plan, uh, they say they're going to do different things, some of which they were probably doing before, but I think they're accelerating, expanding them, and... Above all, I would say, Mercedes, what we have is now we have millions of eyes on them to say, what are you going to do now? Because the objective is clear. You said, not you, but the grocers, they said, you're going to be part of the solution. Uh, the government has put a number of measures in place to support you in that. But now we want to see real action when we go to, to, to the stores. And that's what I'm starting to see. But again, we're in, we're in day four of that mission. No one is expecting that. It's not like a switch You turn on and off and suddenly everything happens. But what we started in this country, I think, is is putting pressure and and certainly creating a more competitive environment. And all the viewers with me will decide where we put our dollar. And that is the power of us together saying, this banner is responding to the call for action. This one is not. Therefore, we'll go there.
0: And arguably, that that is the power of Canadians, though. It's it's not the power of the federal government. And a number of food economists have been saying publicly uh, that, the measures you're proposing in terms of grocery prices mm-hmm. there is no clear correlation they're going to come down that they're starting to trend down anyhow but because we don't know the plan planet specifics we don't have any evidence that that's going to have an effect but there are some things your government could do that had, would have potentially a very direct effect and that would include things like taking the GST off of more of items uh, or alleviating the carbon tax for example for farmers who are producing so that they would not be having to pass that tax on to the consumer uh, or dealing with the eggs and dairy and chicken supply management system in Canada which causes to have higher prices. Is your government looking at any of those direct areas that you control in a way that you do not control the cost of individual groceries
2: well though i have a lot of soft power trust me because i speak on behalf of 40 million people so when you bring ceos in the room uh, it's not the minister it's 40 million of us talking to them saying hey we want action so the focus was on them, but I think if you look at what Canada is doing compares well with what the UK has been doing. If you look at White Rose in the United Kingdom, if you look at carrefour in France, because I've been looking. We're not the only country facing that, by the way. So we've been looking at international best practices, and now the focus is on them. And the focus is also on the large international manufacturer, because one of the things I did was also to bring the CEOs of Unilever, of Nestle, and say, you also have to be part of the solution, because you know what? We understand it's a very complex supply chain you have in grocery, but you have to be part of the solution. And I'm going to be talking to colleagues around the world as well to say, how can we push them to be part of that solution? But now the focus is on them. If you ask me, are we looking at different things? Definitely, because you know what? I've been talking probably to the same experts than you, talking about shrinkflation and some of the packaging. So everything, you know what, like I said, we're in day four. Uh, this is not going to be overnight. This is a process and I'll be on their back for, for, for weeks, for months to come.
0: And I appreciate your point about um, highlighting the issue and putting political pressure on it, but I don't think it answers the question as to why your government isn't doing things that you directly could affect, like suspending the carbon tax for farmers or removing the GST or saying maybe we should take a second look at supply management with dairy and chickens because of the cost why are you not opening any of those doors which you do have control well, over? Well,
2: The, the challenge has been when we started that process, I've Canadians have been looking at, at, at some of the margins and wondering what's going on now in the grocery sector and, and the lack, I would say, of, of competition. So that's been the focus of that now. Uh, you're raising supply management. We say we won't go there. We said as well to them, uh, we don't want you to reflect that on your workers, on the small and medium-sized producers. Now we're, 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 we're tackling the big guys because because they're the ones who can make the biggest difference. You know, the five. But
0: but you are a big guy. You're you're the federal well, government. You control the taxes. Totally.
2: But I'm um, I'm saying you know, like I said, we're in day four. So no one is saying that, uh, you know, all the solutions are on the table at day four. We started that process. And we presented five things that we think are going to have an impact. I mean, the reform on competition, which is a landmark thing. I mean, I spoke to uh, the independent grocery associations, which represent, what, 6,900s. Many of your viewers uh, would shop in these, and they said, minister, two things you can do which would change dramatically is force people to sign the code of conduct on grocery, and secondly, making sure you're from competition. Because today, uh, unbeknown probably to most of us, is that if, you, if you're in a plaza, and the landlord, usually they would put restrictions that if you had one of the big banners, you cannot bring a discount brand next to them. So these things need to stop. So all these things, when you talk to, and I've had a number of discussions, they say, Minister, it's not one thing. There's no silver bullet. If it was easy, it would have been done before. But they say, everything you're doing and more is going to help us. And that's really the mind. The mindset that I have is, I'm fighting the good fight for Canadians, because who's going to do it if we don't do it?
0: One last question. As you look across sectors beyond just grocery, but also telecom and airlines, one of the big concerns is what you're identifying, this this lack of competition that is costing Canadians a lot of money. Are you open to allowing foreign firms, American firms, to come into Canada, whether it's grocery, telecom, or airlines... To reduce some of these prices and create competition.
2: Well, it's interesting you ask because you almost read my mind. Uh, I've been talking to some uh, in the grocery sector. Let me be specific. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to make calls to some CEOs around the world and say, "Hey, have you looked at Canada lately?" Uh, because I think if you talk to all the experts, uh, they said, Minister, the the more sustainable thing you can do is, is to have a more competitive environment. You know, you know, you know, the push you're doing. Is okay, But, you know, bring competition, because for the long term, this is what really is going to help. And we've seen it in other sectors and we have examples in other countries. So, yes, I'm doing that. And and it's part of the number of things that I'm trying to do. Like I said, on day four, uh, we're far from saying it's done. Uh, We're saying this is a fight. So we're going to do all sorts of things. But the bottom line is that I want to help Canadians. I know that this is difficult time. I know the price of groceries taking a big part of their available income and I'm fighting a good fight but I think together you and I and all the viewers uh, will be able to spend where people provide value for our money.
0: I'm sure a lot of viewers are very interested in that last bit of news that there could potentially be some international competition coming to Canada too- soon. Minister, thank you so much for joining us today and happy Thanksgiving to you and your you family.
2: You It's always a pleasure.
0: Now for one last thing. This week, Canada had two historic elections representing change as high-profile political jobs begin to reflect the diversity of our nation. In Manitoba, NDP leader Wab Canu became the first First Nations Provincial Premier.
1: I want to speak to young Nietzsche's in particular. I was given a second chance in life and I would like to think that I've made good on that opportunity. And you can do the same. Canoe spoke
0: powerfully about what his win means to his family, including his uncle Fred, a residential school survivor who was on the stage with his nephew on election night. Think about what yesterday meant for him, who was in St. Mary's residential school, who experienced the worst of it in our country's history. Great. In Ottawa, Liberal MP Greg Fergus was elected as the first black speaker of the House of Commons. The win was full circle for Fergus. In
2: 1988, I sat right there,
0: right there at the foot of the speaker's chair as a parliamentary page, where I was awed by the majesty of this sanctum of democracy. And the emotion and joy was clear on the hill.
1: It's a historical moment for us for kids like mine because i'm a granddad how important it is to come here and to see his picture
0: beacons of hope for future generations who can now finally see themselves represented in two of the highest roles in canadian politics that's our show for today thank you for joining us we'll be back here next sunday i'm mercedes stevenson for the west block